God's word that we meditate on this morning is our epistle lesson from Romans chapter 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. The authorities are God's servants who give their full time to government. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. This is the word of the Lord. This is a touchy subject. <laughs> I am both excited and nervous to share with you over the next five weeks. Uh, let me tell you right off what this sermon series is not going to be. All right, it will not be a mixing of what we call the two kingdoms. Right, there are two kingdoms that we live in. We live in the spiritual kingdom, the church, the holy Christian church, right? We use the word of God to preach and bring people in, right, and get them ready to go to heaven. And then we live also in this earthly kingdom, the state, right, which is there to bear the sword, right, to punish the wrongdoer, right, to bring peace and order and stability to our society. Any time that a preacher or a church or a government have tried to mix these two things, there's been nothing but trouble. That's not what we're here to do. I'm not also here to tell you who to vote for, all right? <laughs> Even if you're looking for some guidance, that's not what you're going to hear in this sermon series. You're not going to hear what political party to support. You're not going to hear if Jesus was a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. The hint was he was none of the above. This is not about my personal political views. That's not what this sermon series is going to be about at all. I can tell you what it is going to be about. Because this is not only a touchy subject, but it's very timely too, isn't it? Because I can almost guarantee that uh, you are being flooded with politics and government and these things all the time. It's in every news cycle. It's probably in most of your conversations with friends and family. It's probably dominating your social media if you do social media. It's on the forefronts of our minds. And the Bible has some things to say about it. And it's probably good for us to listen to God, right, about what he has to say about these matters. And so what we are going to do in this sermon series is we are going to look at principles of Scripture, right, truths that God lays out in his word. And principles of God's word are always timely, and they're always timeless. Which means that they don't change. Which means that it's not something we can just say, oh, that doesn't apply to us today. It's a principle that God lays out that is for all people of all time, no matter what government or what kind of world they're living in. We're going to look at these principles of Scripture throughout this five-week series and, and not come to like, well, how can we massage this and get away with some things? Right? What does God really mean here? It's clear. 
What becomes difficult is how do you apply these principles? Right? How do you take these truths that God lays out in his word and apply them to the situation in which we live? And that's what we're going to get to struggle with. And it's going to be a struggle, I guarantee you. It's not going to be comfortable. There's going to be things that we hear that we're going to bristle at and raise eyebrows at. And really? It's not easy, right? We're going to struggle with these principles that God lays out. A little word of caution before we get dive into today's principle. Uh, this is a five-week sermon series. I cannot begin to cover everything about every topic that revolves around this in one sermon. I just can't, unless you want to be here all day, right? We just can't. So what I need you to do is, because I know already as we go through this sermon, by the end of the sermon, you're going to be thinking, yeah, but Pastor, what about this? There's more sermons coming, all right? <laughs> Bear with me. In these next five sermons, really think of it maybe as one long, giant sermon addressing this topic of a Christian in politics and government, right? If you haven't yet, just right now, before we jump into to our topic for today, look, go back to page three of your service folder. Um, it just topics that we are going to cover in, in this sermon series coming up. So um, so next week, we're going to talk about praying for all of our government leaders, not just the ones you support, not just the ones you like, but all of our government leaders. We'll talk about that next week. Um, two weeks from now, we can disagree with each other. We can have differences politically, but you know what? We can still get along. We can still love each other. It is okay, right? Um, the third week, uh, or the fourth week, we're going to look at the, the right leaders, right? You may vote for somebody and think they're going to, they're going to, you know, fix all the problems. No. The right earthly leaders are never going to fix everything for us. And then the last week, a great way to end on that Jesus offers us something better than any earthly king ever could. He offers us a better king. So I hope you can kind of see the flow and how all of these are going to fit together. They're interconnected. Uh, but just think about that as we go through. These questions will get answered. We will struggle with these things. And what a better place for us to begin this week than Romans 13. Because here we receive... In the Word of God, what the purpose of government is, we hear what its role is where, and where it comes from, which is really important for us to know. And just one more reminder, these are principles, right? These are truths of God's Word because I don't want you to get a case of what I call the Yavis, where in your mind, or maybe I get an email later on saying, yeah, but pastor, these are principles of God's Word. They are truths of Scripture. That are both timely and timeless. Right? Uh, and again, we've got to struggle with that. And that's why the sermon title is what it is today. Government for my good? Yes. Earthly government for your good. And we know this is true because we see where and how and who institutes earthly government. Look at uh, the, the end of the first sentence, in, in uh, the first verse of our lesson. Paul writes, For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. He says it two times, or writes it two times. Right or wrong, right? Just in case you missed that, or just in case you think you misheard me the first time, right? The authorities that are here on earth are established by, not man, but by God himself. Now, maybe here comes your first yeah. Yeah, but Paul, not directed at me, but Paul, Paul, 
you don't understand what we're living in in 2020. You don't get the, the climate, the political climate we have in the government and how corrupt they are. Call it, if you live today, you probably wouldn't have written, written these things. You know, I don't know how divine inspiration worked. We're not told in the Bible, except that God, you know, the Holy Spirit carried men and told them what to write, and, you know, the, they're the very words of God. We don't, we don't know how that exactly happened. But... Is it possible that the Holy Spirit gives Paul these words of Romans 13, and, and Paul says, you want me to write what? Are you sure about that? <laughs> really? And maybe Paul bristled a little bit, and his eyebrows raised a little bit at what the Holy Spirit was telling him to write down here. Because Paul might not know what's going on here in 2020, because he's been dead for a while. He's in heaven for quite some time now. But, do you know the circumstances in which Paul was living? The government that he was living under when he wrote these words by inspiration of the Spirit? He's in the Roman Empire. An empire that um, didn't look too kindly upon Christians and Christianity. They could take their property anytime they wanted, could ruin their livelihoods, threaten their families, and even take their lives. This is the climate in which Paul is a missionary of the gospel and is writing these words to Christians. Submit yourselves to the governing authorities. None of these authorities have been established except those who have been established by God. Yes, even those who are persecuting you and wanting to put you to death. What of the emperors during Paul's time was Nero? Maybe that name rings a bell for you. Just a little bit of history about what Nero was like and how he treated Christians. He burned down half of Rome because he wanted to do a new building project, and guess who we blamed it on? It's those Christians who burned it down. I guess what happened, everyone hated Christians. Nero also liked to use Christians for sport. Now he'd take them and feed them the lions in the Colosseum. It was a game. People would cheer, shout, had fun with it. Nero would use Christians as human torches at his garden parties. He was ruthless, he was evil. He hated Christianity, wanted to squelch it out, but yet, the principle is written and remains. Let everyone, everyone, not just some, everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. So Paul might not know exactly what we are going through today in 2020, <laughs> but he certainly knew what he was experiencing. He would lose his life for the gospel. He knew it, yet he wrote these words by inspiration of the Spirit. A principle that existed for Paul and the early Christians, a principle that it still exists for us today. Now, does this mean that we have to like everything our government does? Does this mean that we have to like everybody that's in the government? <laughs> no. It doesn't. It says, be subject, respect, give honor. Because when you do that, you're giving honor and respect to being subject to God, who has established those authorities. And one big advantage we have over the Apostle Paul, which we should be absolutely thankful for, for all the, the reasons we have to complain about government and politics in our world today, there's so many things we can be thankful for. That we live in a constitutional democratic republic, which means that we have a say, we have a voice, you can petition, you can peacefully protest, you can 
You can vote. You can even run for office if you really want to. We have freedoms that Paul didn't get to enjoy under his government. Right? These freedoms where we can make our voices heard if we don't agree with something or agree with someone. We don't have to like every policy and every law or even every person and, and what they stand for or who they are in our government. But God says you respect the office. You honor the government because it has been established by him. That principle stands. Because that government there, as Paul lays out here, is there for our earthly good. Yes, for our earthly good. And Paul lays out four things here. What that good is, what that looks like, the reason why God gives us government here on earth. He says that it is first to commend those who do good. Right? To set an example. Right? Look, look at this person who has done something good. Let's be like them, right? To make our society better and more peaceful. Another thing is to threaten punishment for those who do wrong. Right? There's the threat of punishment through the law. That if you do this, this is going to happen. That keeps peace and order and stability. So that most of us aren't going out committing those crimes, right? It serves as a curb for us. And then also, the government's there to carry out punishment when somebody does wrong. Right? When they break the law, that punishment is administered. And then the fourth thing, they're there to collect taxes. They're there to carry out their work. They give their full-time work to that. They should be compensated for that. And then to do the things that, they, you know, that have been decided, they need money to be able to do those things. Right? So four things that government does for our good are mentioned right here by Paul. Now, for the yeah, let's start coming. <laughs> what about when those laws aren't just? What about when justice is not administered fairly? What about when those taxes that we pay are misused <laughs> or unfairly put upon us and we pay way too much, right? What about those things? What's the reason for that? It's not because there's anything wrong with earthly government in and of itself that God has established. It's because it's being run by sinful people. Sinful people who don't always have the best interests of those that they're supposed to be serving in mind. And sometimes it's selfish gain by which they make their decisions. But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the idea and the concept and the institution of earthly government as God has established. It's really no different than other things God has established. Take, for example, marriage. Marriage in and of itself is a wonderful thing, right? It was established by God. It is a, it's a gift from God, a blessing to society. But you, two, you put two sinful people living together in that close of proximity, <laughs> what's going to happen? Marriage isn't the problem. The institution itself is not the issue. It's the sinners. The husband and the wife who can't get along, who bicker and fight, who are selfish by nature and sin against one another. That's the problem. It's sinners, not what God has instituted. And it's no different with government. The institution of government that God says are his servants a couple of times in here. And they are there, and we are to be subject to his authorities over us. That establishment is good, as God has established it. It's sinners who take it and mark it and make it difficult for us to live under and have to struggle with these principles. But yet, 
But yet, even in spite of the fact that our government is run by sinful people, because that's all there is, right? <laughs> Do we still think that God can work through those things? Can God use sinful people for his purposes? Can God use even an evil, corrupt government for his purposes? If we think he's good, and we believe he's all-powerful, of course he can. God's purpose will still be done with good government or corrupt government, with moral people leading it or immoral people leading it. God's purposes will still be accomplished. And what is God's purpose? What is God's great grand purpose? It's not to make your life here on this earth comfy and cozy. All right? It's not to make the United States this perfect place on earth for you to live. God's grand purpose is not your earthly peace and earthly prosperity. God's purpose is for his gospel to be preached and heard and believed and that those who believe would remain in their faith until they reach their heavenly kingdom. That's God's grand purpose. That is what it is there for. That is why we have the church. And when that is our focus as the church, when we don't begin to, to mix politics into the church, right? when we stay focused on what our responsibility is as the church to preach the gospel, to administer the sacraments, to use the means of grace to bring people to faith and keep people to faith until we reach heaven, then we know that God's purposes will be fulfilled in spite of what's going on in our country. When our purpose is God's purpose, he will bless it. When we are focused not on the peace and prosperity of this life, but, but the peace and prosperity that Jesus promises us through his cross and through his empty tomb, right, that peace of our forgiveness, that promise of new life right now that we are set free from sin to serve and to love and to obey those in authority over us. Right? That, that we have the promise that we are citizens of a greater country. First and foremost, heaven is our home. And we long to be there. Right? When that is our focus, then we know that God is going to bless our world. That God is going to bless his people. And even in spite of our government being run by sinful people, just think for a moment if we would have no government. And maybe your first thought is, well, it'd be pretty great, right? If I didn't have all these taxes and all these laws and all these crooked politicians telling me what to do and what not to do. But just think for a moment, if there was no government, how scary this world would be, right? If, if, if there was no semblance of any kind of peace and order and stability in our world. I mean, just think about the blessing, right? Again, we have lots of things that we could complain about with our government and the sinners who are running it. We could, but again, put those aside for a moment. Think about all the blessings that our earthly government brings at the, at the local, at the state, at the federal level. Right? Everything from a military that is protecting us throughout the world, all the way down to the traffic lights on the corner that keep us safe. What if we didn't have any of this? What a scary world this would live, be living, wouldn't it? I mean, there are so many blessings that God gives to us to his people, and really to all people, as he cares for our earthly needs, as he continues to care about our earthly good, 
so we can live in some sort of semblance of peace and order and stability so we can carry out our work as a church. I guess there is one yeah, but uh, I'll concede one today, right? Yeah, but pastor, what about if the government tells us that we can't do something that God tells us to do? What if it tells us to sin? What then? Okay. There's the one concession, right? Uh, Peter faced it. Paul, the other apostles faced it too. That, that dilemma that they were placed in of the government telling them, you cannot preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your life's on the line. Or, go ahead, and <laughs> you might die. Remember what Peter said in Acts. He says, we must obey God rather than men. If the government would come to the church and say, you can no longer hold public worship services. It's against the law. We'd have to obey God rather than men. Right? If God would tell us that you, you can't deny a homosexual couple a marriage, we'd have to obey God rather than men. If the government would come in and say that you can't teach six days of creation anymore because the only way that the law is evolution, every child has to believe in evolution, we'd have to say we must obey God rather than men. Now, thankfully, in our country today, we're not faced with many of those dilemmas. If really, many of them, if any of them. Because, again, as a gift, in our country today, something that Paul didn't enjoy, we have what's called the separation of church and state, right? I know there's a lot of confusion. People throw out that phrase, and sometimes they don't even know what it means. But what it really means, at the essence, and why it's such a gift to us, the church, is that, number one, the church cannot tell us what to preach and teach. There's a separation there. And then secondly, they can't tell us not to worship. We are free to publicly hold worship services and preach and teach according to God's word. That's a wonderful blessing, that separation of church and state. Now, is that guaranteed? No. Is it possible that that could be taken from us at some point? Maybe in some of our lifetimes. Yes, it is. In some areas of our country, the writing might be on the wall. It's coming. But thank God that right now, we live in a country where we can freely proclaim the word of God. We can practice our faith. We can gather for worship. The government can't tell us what to teach and preach. And if that time ever comes, may God give us the fortitude and the wisdom and the courage to continue to preach his word. The only yeah but we have. Not even really an issue for us right now, but remembering through all of it, God will work. Friends, if we believe that God is really good, if we really believe that He is all powerful, then God can still work through unfair, broken, evil, earthly governments. He can use sinful people for His purposes. He can, and He will. He promises it. But until then, God does give us earthly government for our good. Yes, it is for our good. It's been established by Him. It's to bring that peace and that order and this, that stability to our lives. Right? And as Paul writes here by inspiration of the Spirit, he says these are God's servants. Right? And give to everyone what you owe them. If it's taxes, taxes. Revenue, revenue. If it's respect, respect. Honor than honor. Because when you do that, when you are honoring and respecting those authorities that God has established over you, in effect, you're honoring and establishing, or honoring and respecting God who has established those over Yes, God gives us earthly government for our good. 
that he will use for his good and for his grand purposes to bless us, to keep us safe until we are with him, until we are gathered in that holy nation of believers forever. Until then, until that time, don't forget. Don't ever forget that no matter what happens, no matter what our government might look like, no matter who our leaders might be, King Jesus is still on the throne. He is still reigning and ruling over all things, over all authorities, over all governments. For what? For the good of his church, his believers, you and me. Find great comfort and peace as you go, as you go and desire to subject yourself to give respect and to give honor 